Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. This week we're talking. We start over. I forgot the movie thing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. This week we're talking about Backyard Blockbusters, a documentary picture made by our friend John Hudgens, who's in the room. Oh my God! Why am I here? As of recording, the movie isn't actually Let out. Me go. out. Uh, <laughs> it'll be out soon. You'll be able to track it down in a venue near you. And until then, we're just gonna have a conversation about it and what it means to us because we just went to the. <laughs> is it fair to say Hollywood premiere? Yeah, this is a Hollywood, Hollywood premiere. It's, Hollywood not, premiere it's not the real premiere. The real premiere is a drag con, but Brian was there for the actual premiere. I was there for the world premiere and the Hollywood premiere. Wow. <laughs> I'd be happy to say it was a red carpet. You're like Simon Pegg flying has like across a casino pattern carpet. Anyway, the they one. should have a red carpet so that I know. can just say it. Anyway, yeah. it, it's five friends in your head. Uh, myself, as always, T. Christie. My friend Brian, William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman, Scott. Hello. John, the real fan Scheisse, the Hola. guy who made backyard <laughs> blockbusters and American Scary Hudgens. Hi there. And Trade Amazing Stokes. As always. So, John, what the hell with this fan films document? Man, how long have you been working on this? Where did the idea come from? <laughs> uh, well, the idea, I think, came from just the fact that we were bored one day. <laughs> uh, like now, most ideas come from. Yeah. Um, well, at, at the time, I mean, you know, I... I hadn't even, let's see, at the time I was already working on American Scary. That was the documentary I did about tele, classic television horror shows. Which is all over Netflix now, by the way. Yes. I, I was telling Netflix, John, iTunes, Amazon. If you, go to, if you go to Netflix streaming and just click on documentaries, his damn movie is the first thing that pops up every time. And I, I, had, I had two people at the, at the uh, screening uh, Thursday night come up to me and tell me that they had just watched American Scary. People I'd never met, they'd just seen it like in the last week. And they were like, you, oh my God, you said you did that? No, but. Um, You're slowly encroaching yourself upon the lives of others. Yeah. As well, but no, but you know, of course, all of you know, obviously, you know, all of us were all involved in fan films. You know, Trey and I had sort of had that friendly rivalry going in 2002 over the whole you know, Jedi Hunter, uh, um, Pink Five thing because I was dead yeah. positive he was gonna win. He we smoked him, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a friendly yeah. rivalry. <laughs> hey, it's 10 years later, we're still talking to each other. I know hey, it's easy true. to be friendly when you're the winner, yeah, exactly. Hey, I was a winner too, just the, not the, next, not the, the top next year, winner, yeah. I never won, and I'm no, very same so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The inter-subculture rivalry is staggering in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And the beauty of it is it doesn't mean a goddamn Not a thing. thing. Right. We only ever won because they invented an award for us. Exactly. <laughs> that was always the Adam Films trick. was yeah. like, okay, we like this one too. Let's think of an award. Best fan film in the snow that featured burritos. Come on up. Get your prize. Everyone got an award but me now, and of course, Brian. Yeah, We're going to start our own club. The Trey, Adam Films left us behind club. Yeah. Trey won the awards that they gave away money at the time. You yeah. Know, because of California law. That was a real award. The... the, the <laughs> The one that's judged by the fans, you know, the actual competition, since there's not actually being judged by a group of your peers, it, you know, it's, it's, they considered it a random lottery. And so, we yeah, well, you there. can, cause you can game the system. Exactly. You can't, you can't, you know, audience no, choice. No. You can just, you know, if you know 10,000 people, you can vote yourself money. Right. Anyway, which, is, which is an American tradition, but long story short, which is completely pointless by this point. Um, it was 2004. Uh, we were, I had already started shooting American Scary, and um, Trey, you know, we uh, I've, we've got this tradition. Whenever we come into town, we all go to this restaurant in Burbank that we all like. As a matter of fact, as of this recording, we were there last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're still carrying the yes. the food that we ate there. We're though, still oozing garlic. At least I, I am. I don't know about my meat bolus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We had I had the cameras with me because I had shot some interviews at, at uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I was going to leave all the equipment with Trey because he was going to shoot some interviews that I could not be out in California for because my friend Sandy lived in San Francisco. He's going to come down here, and Trey uh, and Chris Hannell, they were going to help him out. Vampira. Uh, 
Hmm? That's where we shot the vampire. Yes. Awesome. Not too long after that. Yeah. Um, but we were just sitting around talking about documentaries and, you know, this and American scary, which we were working on at the time. And it was, you know, we just said, you know, somebody, else, you know, let's just, let's just record some stuff about us. You know? So I, I, I put Chris, Chris Hannell was the first interview I shot. And then after dinner, we put Trey on camera because, you know, we were in the, we were in the midst of it. Of course, at that time, you know, we didn't even, he didn't even know he was going to be doing pink five strikes back yet. Pink five strikes oh, back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did it with the light kit, you know, that I left with him to shoot the interviews with. He, yes, that was our lighting setup. Yeah. For, for strikes back. Um, so, but, so it was basically just us killing time, you know, thinking, well, maybe we'll do something with it someday or somebody will do something with it. But we're here in the moment. It's fresh. Let's um, I'm just no. ha- I'm just happy that someone has a film that's been in production longer <laughs> than Return of Pink Five. But I finished mine. Jesus, it's still happening. This has been this has been down in front. You can listen to us every every week. So, so here's the thing, though. You started filming this thing, we'll, we'll say 25 years ago, and you were filming it on Mini DV at the time. Mm-hmm. And in the time since you've been working on it, the prosumer camcorder equipment has has moved on since mm-hmm. then. And now you can get HD for a dime. And these, you know, but I kept I, shooting the entire film in uh, on Mini DV just because I wanted to have all the interviews to have the same look. Just be consistent with them. Exactly. And you know, when you get right down to it, with the exception of some of the later, the newer versions of um, you know Star Trek: New Voyages RVD2, most people didn't do oh, their yeah, fan the fan films, films at HD. Low res too. Huh? The fan films are also pretty low res, exactly. so it just works better that way. Now, I you know I, I have done you know a full HD version of the film. You know, I did a lot of the graphics and animation in HD and upresed everything, and of course used the high def footage where I had it. And I had a 4K DCP version made of the film, which looks incredible. Unfortunately, we weren't able to show it at the ArcLight last night because the files got corrupt and they're having to rebuild it for me. <laughs> so you went to the ArcLight and played your movie off a of DVD? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's sad, man. That's, that's just... It's such a great irony. I know. Yeah. Tragic irony. Dork man, had you seen but it, it looked, I mean, it looked pretty good, you know, off of DVD. Yeah, it looked fine. It looked great. Yeah. Fine, it looked great. Had you seen the movie before last night? No. What'd last you think? Last night was my first time. Uh, I liked it. I, it's I, surreal. I, There's a movie <laughs> yeah. about everyone. It's weird. It was weird. Um, because yeah. the interview I shot with you was uh, six years ago. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was on the set of RVD2. Yeah, it was. It was actually, I believe you shot that the very first day that we were shooting, like yeah. the first day of production, either before we mm-hmm. actually shot anything or after or something. But um, yeah, well, uh, for that, I was I was saying, I was in my seat, like nervous and cringing, being like, oh God, what did I say? I don't remember what I said, and I probably was wrong. So I, I don't know, or I don't think what I am <laughs> now on record as saying anymore. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, other than that, there wasn't there there wasn't a lot of me in the film, which I, I guess you thought I'd be upset about, but I'm like, oh, thank no, 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 yeah. no, it's not that, not that I thought you were upset about. It. It's just you know things evolved over time, and I, I always wanted to get you guys back on camera again, right. but it was just you know schedules. We were just right. never able to make it work out. Right, but um, but yeah, I liked it. It actually made me really uh, made me feel nostalgic. And part of it might have been the fact that. We were in a room with a lot of other people. I right. mean, obviously, we see each other all the time. But you have never seen more weird nerdgasms than we're in that room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, last <laughs> night. I mean, it, 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 uh, it was a. We had a lot of people there. Uh, you know, Sandy Collaro was there from Batman Dead End. The Drunks with Sticks guys from the PA that, Warsaw showed up. And 
Michael fanboyed, you know, yeah. when I told him they I were totally showing did. up. And, I but, angrily fanboyed when I, when I remembered that I had missed my introduction because I went back downstairs to the bar to hang out with everyone else. And it was like, oh, shit, I totally forgot to introduce myself to those guys. Because PA <laughs> Wars and uh, Duel of the Fakes were some of my favorite fan films back in the day. I don't even know why. I went back to revisit them and they're, they're really fun. They're endearing. Yeah. But they're, there's nothing special about no, them. No, well, there, there was. But they're, but they're at the fun. time, yeah. Well, no, it's just they were fun. They were yeah. just, I and I, like I, still, I still show them when I do presentations <laughs> and conventions and people, they enjoy Enjoy them. Who was it that I was talking to that likened the screening to when they, they do the State of the Union address? Like they have to leave one member of the cabinet out in case yeah. the bomb goes off. So, <laughs> so it's like yeah. you guys, like you could, we could, you could totally eliminate like the entire history of fan films by bombing that screening. Mm. But and Shane Adam, Bert- Adam Bertocci yeah. would now be the king of fan films. <laughs> well, no, just the, by, the, for the line of secession. The, the Raiders guys weren't there. They, you know, unfortunately, that's the, true. The Raiders guys would, yeah. would become president. They they were they were actually getting on a plane right when the screening started because they had to fly back to Biloxi because they had accepted, um, you know, their hometown was doing this big film festival this weekend and invited them back and they accepted and then they forgot that oh oops so oh well but yeah it was really you know it's really sweet and fun and nostalgic and i it ended and i was like i kind of want to make a fan film someone do something <laughs> oh god someone stop me all of a sudden Dorkman cares about star wars again and he's thinking yeah. about making fan films yeah. it's been a big week for you yeah well you <laughs> know do something i mean you know granted i mean all, I mean, all uh, of us have been to the mast all of us have been involved in this you know in this, you know, subculture for, you know, for 10 years or more, but you know, I feel awesome. I know, but, but you know, but, but I wasn't making I the, I wasn't making the movie for us. I mean, oh, yeah, I yeah. wanted to make it so that we, you know, so that none of you guys would be upset or, you know, cheese about it, but I was making it for people who've never heard of fan films. Cause I still get people like that, that line at the beginning when I, when I in my narration, I say, you know, I, I tell people we're making a fan film and they go, oh, you what? Yeah, uh, yeah. I still get that from people. They don't know. I mean, well, people have it? never heard of dead end. They've never heard of pink five. They've never heard of, you know, any of this stuff. Well, wasn't it with Duncan, who is one of our pink five right. crew members. He said at the screen, he asked for a copy because you know he's he's we we just did a Pink Five shoot and he, he tells his family what he's doing and they don't understand what that means. This so will he, lend he, wanted the, he asked for the Christmas. entire documentary so he can go. This this is what I'm talking. Can about. Can I please show this, this to my mom so she'll so she'll know why I was Actually, gone all weekend? Actually, I probably should too because my yeah. I don't think my mom quite understood. Mm-hmm. She actually she came. to Dude, my, John, I'm gonna buy a bunch no. of them. They're Christmas gifts. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. She, I remember she came to my to the RVD two screening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd already done RVD and done a bunch of other stuff. And I'd been, you know, at, at that point, I'd been in fan films for like, you know, seven years. And she comes out and she's like, that's really good. So that's what you do. <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't realize you did, that you didn't understand. You didn't it. know until now. <laughs> until okay. just now, but okay. All right, I didn't then. realize like how blind and loving your, your support was. Yeah. Getting back to your earlier point, I mean, it was like, it was the who's who of fan films last night. You know, Rubio uh, was there too. Kevin Rubio, Rubio was there. Yeah, Dan, Poole, Dan Poole, who just happened, who incidentally just happened to be in LA and was supposed to fly out that day and I found out he was there and it's like dude you have to change your flight Dan Poole is one of my favorite insane fan films guys stories because Raiders I, the adaptation goes up there it's the, it's number one there's Raiders nothing more insane and, yeah. than that in history mm-hmm. Raiders but, and Dan Poole kind of like like you know, all of us kind of go, dude, seriously, Dan you did Poole, that? What was mm-hmm. it, the early 90s or late 80s? Er, uh, late 80s. 1991. Was, wow. was when he shot it. John told me he was going to be there. He's like, Dan Poole's coming. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And, but then I saw it. I'm like, holy shit, Dan Poole. Dan Poole's the man. <laughs> now, he's and, the and president. Well, you'd, re- you'd read Clive's book, haven't you? Because, you know, he's got I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it's, which is the first I heard. But for the benefit of our listeners, we should probably explain what the hell we're talking about. Dan Poole made The Green Goblin's Last Stand, which was a Spider Man fan film he made in 1991 to try to get Jim. Cameron's attention because at the time Jim Cameron was making the Spider-Man movie. And there's only one way to get his fucking attention. Yeah. Well, yeah, was jump off a building. You know, no green screen, no chroma key. He's literally swinging four stories up from on a rope 
from you know Spider-Man costume in a Spider-Man costume Spider-Web in broad daylight in broad daylight early Sunday mornings you know you know hanging from a fire escape that was one of the lines I loved fantastic was it it Baltimore he's talking talking about his buddy he's like thank god he was there to remind me to just tie knots in the rope so I'd have something to hold on to no 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 no. his buddies he was talking about Todd McFarlane the artist who started not doing all the little fiddly bits in the in the drawings for Spider-Man's webs and stuff like that oh that's what he meant so he started drawing it that way and that's why he did it that's why that is otherwise he'd be dead and and <laughs> tragic yeah <laughs> just the fact that that's yeah. what his his life relied on that todd mcfarland had the thought of, <laughs> wow but I thought we, he was talking about one of his buddies came by and yeah, that's no, what I no, get no. the impression. Yeah, too. That, that, that's one of the things when I've been watching it. You know, when I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the film's finished, but I'm still tweaking it in little places. There's a couple places where I'm going to go drop back in, like you know, a you know, text thing on screen, or um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get anybody to clear me using footage uh, or an image of an actual Spider-Man image of McFarlane's, you know, right. so. Rights have got to be a big pain in the ass for something like this when you're right. talking about a bunch of people. We made this joke last night at dinner about, well, we were comes. talking about doing a commentary for the movie <laughs> and the joke was, we're going to talk about a movie that's about us making movies about movies. What? <laughs> Trying to follow the nine lines of logic mm-hmm. there. Escher but, just went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. MC Escher is like, that's kind of tricky to follow. Yeah, wait, hold yeah. on. Escher said, wait, you lost me. The, cool, yeah. the, the funny thing for me about Dan Poole was I had heard about him because I read, and we'll get back to it in a second, but Clive Young's book, which is like an unofficial compendium almost of this movie. Uh, companion. Uh, yeah, uh, Because we were both doing them at the same time, but you know, he got Homemade yeah, Hollywood. He homemade got Hollywood. his out first. But I'd read about Dan in that, but I had never met him before, and I still haven't actually seen his whole movie. I've just seen the clips that are in the documentary and a trailer from somewhere that someone made. Well, but I'll, I'll uh, that. I'll he you. walked in, and John introduced me as the guy who did the Calvin and Hobbes thing, and Dan was like, holy shit, I love that. I used that as my phone wallpaper. Yep. That was so great. He I'm fanboyed like, on Teague. I'm like, what know? the <laughs> hell just happened? <laughs> this is crazy. And of course, Jim Frohmeyer wasn't there. He gets all the credit for this no man stuff, but there was still a cool moment. The guy who swung around off a building liked the short I made snow fort. I feel fancy. It's like we're all in the common room in the asylum just playing checkers together. Like, what? you're awesome. No, you're awesome. No, the elephant is awesome. I love uh, your, your delivery. My head is mashed potatoes. Well, you know, this whole community is just this, this weird you know, crossbreeding because, you know, I ended up helping out. You helped out American Scary. I ended up help, you know, helping out on your film. You know, we've all ended up in some way or another helping out with each other's product. You know, you know, Teague did the, you know, did the opening song for the film, which is fan, you know, other than Chris Gore, uh, everybody likes it, you know? Yeah. Chris Gore hated my song and that made me more happy than I've been in years. <laughs> Wait, why did he hate the the song? He think, he just thought he, it was the wrong choice in the movie. He thought it was yeah, just he, the he, wrong he, thing. He, uh, he he sent me a note after Dragon Con, and he really did not like the opening, and he really did not like uh, Teague's song. And I'm like, who well, would you know? It's my movie. Um, thank you for your opinion. You're the only one that said that. You I know? don't think if ten people tell me that it's a problem, okay. Yeah, one person has told me this. I can know? see where he's coming from. It's an odd thing to have happen in yeah. the movie. Then all of a sudden, there's this old timey. Broadway number. But I like but it. I mean, I, I'm proud of what do you song. guys think? I mean, you guys just saw like the movie it. the other night. Yeah. Hmm? I don't like it. You gave me third billing at the end credits, by the way. Yeah. It, Is the, that going to change? The big font, too. You got the big font. Directed by There's John three Hudson. people. The movie. <laughs> Kyle McMaster, T. Christie. Seriously. Who else worked in the movie? There's John There's and two me. composers. That was it. There's That's the me crew. And two composers. I was, you know, I had no extra crew. Every single interview, I shot myself. I lit it myself. I did the audio recording myself. Damn, man. This whole movie was me. Well, and my camera. Where was your piano it? song? Damn it! Why don't you just do it? I don't play the piano. Oh well, neither I, do I. I play the trombone in high school. Then there'd be four credits. Music. Speaking of Kyle Newmaster, I met him for the <laughs> first 
first the opening time last song night. would be dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard asshole. <laughs> I hadn't met Kyle Newmaster before last night either, which mm-hmm. means I've now met both Gordy and Kyle, which means I've now met everyone that worked on RVD2. Yay, Yay, my trading card book is full. Wait, you met <laughs> Travis? You met Travis? I met oh, Travis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Travis on a commercial. Seriously, though, if I hadn't put Have all that Mike long up? run of Mike like... Teague, Teague Mike. Oh, hey. What? If I hadn't put that long run in of like sure. listing all the interviewees and then all the clips and <laughs> there'd be no credits, there'd be no credits, and and then the the thanks, yeah, there. I mean, there there were three credits on this film: me, you, and Kyle. Seriously, more power <laughs> to us. Uh, it was just stunning. It was just like your, your oh, residual well, split's going to be name. huge, crazy. Uh, the other thing, nice was, big, nice big ass honking font. What? That, that <laughs> was huge. My name in Star Trek font. That's what I've been dreaming of. Backyard blockbusters. Anyway, yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. What's yeah, the what's this the, thing what, that we'll I did? Here. What comes yeah. next? So distribution or uh, more well, festivals or what's going on? More festivals. I haven't heard yet about the next one, but I've been getting a lot of interest from. from I have had distributors already email me. I had uh, the program for the Glasgow uh, Film Festival in Scotland contact me. They, you know, they wanted a screener, so I may be going to Scotland in February. I hope. That's exciting. That, that It'll be, be warm, too. It's the right time of year for yeah, Scotland. And, and hopefully, you know, it, well, it's one of those things where, you know, if they pay, Being if, in the Southern if, Hemisphere if they pay for all. the travel and lodging, yes, I'll go. All tucked away down there. <laughs> Near Australia. Snug no, in the no, equator. Scotland. I know. He's saying oh. it's going to be warm there in February. Uh, I was kidding. So, you know, I, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I submitted to Sundance. We'll see if I get in. You know, American Scary didn't, but, you know, I... Personally, think this is a better film than American Scary. Somebody told me that the, the other night too. But uh, was it you? It was me. Yeah. Okay. I like I like it more, but I'm also hyper biased. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're all in I, in this. Yeah. Like, and I didn't grow up with horror hosts because I'm five. And I didn't either. I mean, I grew up in Memphis, and we didn't have one. So, but which I think actually helped the film because I didn't have any preconceived biases going in. No. Oh. See, that was the big thing I had with this one was trying to trying to keep it. Not my buds, you know. I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to stay neutral on all, all this stuff, you know, be, and, and, and and keep it and keep in some of the fact, you know, the, some of the fact that you know, some of this, you know, it's not all, you know, rainbows and puppies, you know. There's 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 a there's a legal, you know, anvil hanging over us on well, all this. I imagine there was also probably a struggle to to keep in mind, like you said, the intended audience, as opposed to being like, oh wait, that. I should probably take some time to have someone explain that on <laughs> yeah, camera. Right. Because yeah. I understood what they just said, but mm-hmm. maybe the audience won't necessarily. So. Yeah, and there were a couple of things I waited until the very end. I had a couple of my friends uh, do do the interviews in the last month or two of the editing, mainly because I knew I need to get from point A to point C, and I need somebody to say B. Right. You know? Oh, that's smart. So figuring out what you needed and then just, you know, yeah. you're not telling them what to say. You're just no. asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. Clever boy. Yep. Now, how did Americans? Now, now I will say the one, the one of them that sounds like a plant. Denny actually came up with on his own. You know, they talk about how you're taking you're taking the big budget out of the blockbuster and literally just moving it into the backyard. He 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 sprung that one on me. I didn't I didn't plant I didn't, it. I didn't plant that one. Did you have the title worked out before that? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. No, he, he yeah. I've had the title for like the last two three years. Now he sprung this on me back in June. No, July. It was, it was the day after the Fourth of July. We were doing the interview, and he sprung that one on me. It's like, you bastard. I'm using it. <laughs> he knows how to well, get in the trailer. He, yeah, exactly. He 
He probably know. Okay, if I say the title of the thing, then I'll have to. <laughs> yeah, he'll have to use that clip. <laughs> well, how did American Scary make its way into uh, the, the Netflix world and iTunes and all those things? Uh, we finally uh, got a deal with a distributor in 2008, and, and they did all the legwork for it. You know, it came out on DVD in 2009. And is it like a company that buys horror films, or was that yeah, a it's, unique It's a distributor called them? Cinema Libre. They handle independent films and documentaries. I think the the biggest thing they had was that outfoxed documentary. Oh, okay. Um, mm. But, you know, they took care of it and handled all of, all of the you know distribution and marketing and getting it out into, you know, Amazon and everybody. And, um, you know, maybe one of these days I'll actually see a dime from it. But, you know, but it's but it's a thing and it exists out there. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not me self-publishing it. I mean, it's it's from a real distributor and it, it exists as a thing. What was the reaction like at DragonCon? For backyard blockbusters? blockbusters, I I thought it went over really well. I mean, we had a pretty good crowd. You know, we we screened first <clears throat> first thing in the morning on the first day of the convention, and we almost filled the room. You know, yeah, ten a.m. on a room. Friday morning, yeah. first day of the convention, and it was a really good crowd. And, and of course, you know, we had uh, you know, of course, Brian was there, uh, Keith DeCandido, who's in the film, was there, and David Gerald was there, uh, and he really enjoyed it. David Gerald, the writer from Star Trek, you know, ah, the yeah, Trouble yeah. of Tribbles, and he, he was the director of the Star Trek episode that it was on the set for, you know, up and up on New Voyages. Fancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I made him well. Trey's uh, Return of Pink Five Kickstarter was happening at the time, so I yeah, made right. a pitch at the end, which right. was we, well received. So we did that, and because uh, I remember at the time I knew we were going to do that pitch, so I actually took my uh, Pink Five lightsaber down there and showed it oh, off. Like nice. you can get one of these. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> it's all it's again all totally incestuous just ridiculous which is well one of the things that's that's kind of interesting slash sad slash maybe good or bad about backyard blockbusters is right now now that you've essentially finished it there's a lot of new information in the world of fan films God, all yes. of a sudden the disney acquisition uh, yeah the, well the you disney know, acquisition you know it's like where i i've, I've said many times none of us saw that coming <laughs> i said it said well you know like i said you can always go back to the editing room but uh, it's i've said many times it's like it's weird for, you know i'm gonna go tonight to see the screening about a documentary about making a movie that i'm taking time off from making to go see this documentary <laughs> i should be finishing the movie that the documentary talks about, but I'm going to go see the documentary instead. So that's a well, I don't know how much strange disconnect in my head. I mean, I, I may like you know put some kind of you know title, not not necessarily title card, but a slate up at the point at the end of that thing about you know the fan the the, the official contest. But you know, it's not unheard of. I mean, American Scary, the version we showed that you know because you know you were there yeah. at the premiere of American Scary, that that version changed by the time next summer. I mean, it, not a lot. I mean, we rejiggered and rearranged some things, but. You know, the version that you saw at the premiere was not the version set on DVD now. It's just, but it's been, it's been rejiggered. Something I'm really curious about, one of the best, in my opinion, and I think my opinion is just objectively right in this case, one of the best segments in the thing is the, is the story about the Rolling Boulder guys, the guys oh, from yeah. Louisiana who put no, together the No, I, I really adaptation. think that works. And, and, and it closes, I, 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 I have great to say segment. this right here. Kyle, uh, the music he came up with, you know, he, he repurposed a lot of his music. I mean, it really makes that sequence because there was a, at Dragon Con, there's a friend of mine, uh, Spat Oaken, who's, um, who's a, a practical effects artist up in New Jersey. Not the kind of guy who gets emotional about something. He came yeah. up to me afterwards like, you son of a, you made yeah, me yeah. cry, you know, uh, because the whole bit about, you know, them, you know, getting to meet Spielberg and, you know, the, all, all that coming true and stuff like that. And just Kyle's music right there just really sells that section. The, the movie, we've mentioned this on the show before, but there were these guys, and this is a true story. We referenced mm -hmm. it earlier talking about Dan Poole. These guys, as children, starting around age age 12 and for the next six summers got together and shot for shot repeat shot for shot 
underline until your pencil breaks. Yeah. Shot for shot, remade Raiders of the Lost Ark in their backyard with the VHS Handycam. The whole freaking yeah, film. Except the flying wing fight. Burning bar. Literally, their, version, their version is like an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, it's the yeah. whole movie. I have two questions. One, have you heard back from those guys about the movie? How did they feel about oh, yeah. uh, the segment? Um, well, the version they saw was the rough cut without the music. They mm. loved it. Oh, cool. uh, Eric Zalo told me that he thought it was the best film. I mean, the best video work. The document of it. The best video document of their process that he had ever seen. Uh, and I was like, damn. <laughs> and that's yet another topical thing is, you know, they're right now, as you said, they couldn't even come to the screening because they're doing a big tour because right. their book is coming out. Right. They're, yeah. Uh, this guy named Alan Eisenstock wrote, wrote a book about them, which is phenomenal. I, re I read a um, preview copy of it about six months ago. And I, as we're recording this, it's coming out next week, I think. It's the 13th. <laughs> and I'm going to Amazon Tuesday. right now to pre-order it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Remembered. You should. <laughs> I wish I brought it with me because uh, I had... I had it in my in my bag just in case, but no. But it, it's called Raiders: The Story of the Greatest Fan Film Ever Made, and you know, I actually think you know it. it, it I don't know if it's necessarily the greatest fan film ever made, but I think it's one of the best stories, which is why I held it to the end of the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the second thing is, it, it's... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it probably, it probably encapsulates, as you said, you know, someone someone, it's unre a backyard unre someone unrelated to the project came up and was like choked up because it, it ends with, you know, they were seven years old or what, 12, 13 years old, making Raiders. It culminates in them, welcome to Steven Spielberg's office, let's hang out mm -hmm. with Steven Spielberg, you know, years later. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. kind of the, the ultimate fan film one story. of my favorite reactions in the film and it happened again thursday night is uh there's this wonderful moment that happened to them is when the film was rediscovered and it was shown at harry knoll's but um you know they they just stuck it in because the projector was broken and they stuck it in before right before the premiere of the of the two towers and when they stopped the movie to show the two towers the audience booed the two towers <laughs> and the reaction in the in the audience you know when they watch the film and they're hearing this they're just like it's just this you know it's like this wonderful combination of oh my god and well damn right yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like hyperbole it sounds like bullshit no it's in, it's entirely plausible as someone who's been in a theater with people seeing this movie that that would actually happen mm -hmm. because you the first now, thing i will say this uh the raiders guys have done a great job of keeping it offline and i really think that it needs to be seen in a theater with a huge crowd yeah. because if you find if you can go find don't go find a torrent of it um you know watch it in a theater with these guys there because that's the way to see this movie i still have yet to see the whole thing i've only seen clips i haven't like, seen the backyard i only saw the little bits of it we saw at fanzillicon way back they showed when, the whole that thing. they were at oh crap yeah but i, I but it's awful so i didn't if watch I, the whole thing <laughs> i don't have I, I have it in my hotel room i actually brought a disc with me but it's in my other my, my computer mm. satchel all right, oh, you've well. got to you've got to give us a copy. We went down in front. We'll no, organize okay. a lot of stuff. Okay, I'll, no, they, they organize. No, wait a second. Get in touch oh. with them and I'll I'll, I'll I'll say this here. I'll say it on the record and I'll say it to you personally. I can't do that. Oh, I gave I right. gave Eric and Chris a promise that I would never duplicate the copies that they all gave right. me. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's one of the promises they yeah you know, they made me make. And I'm <laughs> yeah I'm I really mean they that. gave it to you because they were yeah. they I, I remember at Fanzillicon they were yeah. like yeah we don't give out copies we don't do well I mean. Obviously, they gave it to you so you could use it for. Well, that and all, and also, well, see, I already had a copy of it when we, when we first started. When I first started this, because the the funny thing is, is um, when the day before I, I interviewed Chris during uh, Celebration Four back in two thousand seven, um, and the day before I was going to interview him, I was talking with Marv Wolfman on the phone, and I mentioned that I was interviewing Chris, but I'd still never seen the whole film, and he goes, "I have a copy. <laughs> Come over to the house. We'll eat ice cream and we'll watch the movie." So I'm like. 
okay. That sounds I'm great. So we did. I went over there and, uh, you know, sat with Marv and his wife and we watched Raiders and, you know, ate ice cream. And so the next day when I talked to Chris, you know, I, I, I'd just seen the movie. So it was fresh in my mind. And so I was, the interview just went, went even better. Uh, and so, and then they made me you know, promise not to duplicate that. Right. Um, and then as time went on, you know, I got Eric uh, a year or so later and then Jason in 2009. And by that point, you know, they had seen the other stuff I'd done. They knew that I was not just some guy. I was somebody with a real project. And mm-hmm. so that they started, you know, they trust me. Do you happen to recall offhand from the parts of the interviews you didn't use what year but Numathon that was? It's 2004, I think. Was it four? Because Fanzilicon was 2004. No, 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 no. I know. No. Uh, sorry, I, th- I thought you said Fanzilicon. No, yeah, but Numathon, it was 2002. It was two towers. Yeah, that's great. Because they came out and showed it at Fanzilicon, the the one time only fan film convention that happened in yeah. Yeah. in Worcester. And, and they still show it. I mean, you know, they they you know they only show it. You know, like they said in the film, they show it for you know for charitable organizations or nonprofits. Uh, because I saw, I actually saw it in a theater in Nashville. Um, well, that was when I interviewed Eric. Uh, he was in Nashville for a screening there. And so we, you know, sat in the auditorium that afternoon, um, you know, because that's where I shot his interview stuff. You don't, um, for, for being a movie about something you've worked on and in your, the better part of your friggin' career now, you don't actually, um, editorialize too much in the movie. You don't actually give your opinion of, of things here, there and everywhere. Well, um, you know, I, 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 ended up do, I ended up doing this one like I did American Scary. You know, I did it for the most part, uh, well, in this one, for the most part, you know, American Sierra, I didn't have it at all with no narration. You know, I let the people's interviews tell the story. And, you know, one of the things I was very conscious of the whole time, because obviously I've made fan films, you know, I didn't want this to be, hey, look, here's all the stuff I did. And these other guys, this shit, too. You know, I, I was I was trying to ride this very fine line of just barely using me to get you into it. Right. And then the rest of you guys are just are just as important, if not more, you know. What was your on, along those lines? What is your favorite? Just speaking of Raiders, whack ass Raiders adaptation moment. What's your favorite thing? Like Harry mentioned in the movie that his is the favorite is the puppy that does the Z Kyle thing. Mine is the, mine, the, mine the is going that, under him going the under the thing truck. That caught me is a, an incredibly minor thing. It's an incredibly minor detail that when I told Eric Zayla about it, he's like, "Thank God," because it was, it was something. You know, it's something they stuck in. Waiting his whole life for someone and, to well, sit, no, to it's spot one of it. these things that people probably never even realized was even in Raiders. Is the scene when Indy and Belloc are sitting there? You know, you want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. That scene, mm-hmm. and during the buildup of the scene, you know, you, they're in the bar. But if you go back and watch it. All of a sudden, you notice there's like guys pass, passing guns right under the frame. Yeah, yeah. They put that in there. You know, that's even in their version. And I caught it. And he's and they were so focused on duplicating everything that they put that in there too. But most people have never noticed that. They go back and look at it. It's like, oh, how did I ever miss that? But you know, the, Spielberg had that in there with the all the all the Arabs around him setting him up. I love the idea of the Raiders adaptation as introduction to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I also love the idea of some not-for-profit theater somewhere, somewhere showing Raiders the adaptation and people show up in droves and then they sit down and this comes on. But I imagine that after the first one or two people left, the rest of them would be like, I can't. Wow, look at these kids. And they would end up being there the whole damn time because mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what's happened. That's they, what showed it, they showed it at the, a couple years ago. I've seen it twice now because I saw it at Fanzilla and then they showed it again at... Um, 
Uh, well, they, the they were, man's Chinese. That man's Chinese, yeah. right around the time of of uh, Crystal Skull coming out, there there was a promotional mm-hmm. thing. They showed it at the Chinese theater, not the not, not the big one, but they have you know a, a multiplex right, yeah. off to the side, and they showed it in one of those theaters. And uh, I heard that was happening, so I dragged all my roommates. I'm like, you have to see this. It's Check in it town. Out. We have mm-hmm. to go see it. And uh, I took it, and they all loved it. But it was a packed house, like. It was it was awesome and everyone loved it just as much as they did at Fanzillicon. It was great. Mm-hmm. Did they show up and do like a Q and A thing and all that, or were they uh, not in town? They were there. I don't remember if they did a Q and A or not. Yeah, because the great thing about it is when you watch Raiders with a crowd, you know, you you can you start feeling the audience when it first starts. You know, people are like. Oh well, that's cute. It's kids. They're doing Raiders. That's cute. Uh, that's, oh, that's cute. there's a boulder. Yeah. Where the hell did the boulder come from? Okay, all right, all right. I'll give you the boulder, but they're not. He's jumping. Oh. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see you do the next scene, and yeah. and all of a sudden, all right, bring the next scene. And it yeah, gets exactly. to the point where people start going, "Okay, wait, this is actually a real production done with yeah. kids that someone's trying to pass off." This is like, like a by the time they have a, I mean, a submarine, yeah, yeah. a real submarine and a battleship, yeah. you're like, oh, "Fuck, these kids can do anything." When they light the basement on fire, that's yeah, where that's, that's yeah. where I'm in. Well, so much of the story is, you know, it it would have been like. You know, a, a, an old news item yeah. in Google. It's like eh, three kids died tragically. They set their basement on fire. Yeah. It, it didn't end that way. That right. was nice. You know that. And and so many people in the history of their fan films have a near miss like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like boy, we totally should have died when we did that. Our James Bond movie that I made when I was in high school was like. You know, I look at it now going, oh, my God, we were so lucky that we weren't yanked out of the mm-hmm. gene pool by the stupid shit we were doing. And, you know, you know and it's car stunts things. and everything else. And thank you, by the way, for, for actually no one knows about Moonraker. Thank you for slipping a clip of Moonraker in there. I'm hoping that this will lead to a resurgence of Moonraker <laughs> interest. And uh, people want well, to see you that. Brought movie. Up one of your interviews and, and Stuart sent me, you know, the clips yeah. from it. You know, so it and Moonraker like, is like what? It's like 45 minutes long or something insane like that You know, for a Super 8. Movie. Are we talking yeah. about Moonraker 78? Yeah. The yeah. First fan film yeah. Trey made. Yeah, the first one I made before I... That he, I knew that that he forgot about for a long time. Yeah, no, I never forgot, forgot Well, he forgot to tell us yeah, about. <laughs> well, I didn't think it would ever see the light of day, but by well, God. Stuart stuck it on YouTube. Yeah, so there you go. Now, how do you go about getting interviews with some of these really disparate people? The Tarzan guy and, and, and Ernie and... That was, a, that was a catch. Where getting, do you... Where do you, him, do you well, is it just you? Do you just start emailing? And, yeah. Well, Ernie uh, is one of those things... Ernie where, made mean, Hardware I, Wars. Yeah, er- Ernie Facilius made Hardware Wars, and I've been trying to get him for years, and, and uh, we'd had a couple of aborted attempts where, well, well, one of them, obviously, I mean, he couldn't do it because his mother had just died, you know, in between the time we set it up and the time, it's like, dude, I understand. Um, but, yeah, it was the it was a 2009 trip. I, you know, had um, I'd come back from Comic-Con. I would spend a couple of days in L.A., and he said he could do it, and all of a sudden, it's like, fine, I'm jumping in the car, and so I just kept my hotel room here in LA just let it sit empty for a day and I drove and I drove to San Francisco you know and uh, I got I uh, Tom, this guy named Tom Worsh has got this you know little theater set up in his house and so I ran over there and did that and uh, that that was also like the I got up there early the day before so that you know this is this is where you hate me this that was the day I had lunch at Pixar and spent the afternoon with uh with uh, Matt Wood at Skywalker Sound <laughs> yeah I know it was a rough trip that's great that's, uh, but that's but, great John <laughs> Great, good for you. Yes, I, I, yes, I, I love telling that story. No, <laughs> no but um, no, the uh, with uh, Robbins, it was one of those things where I had forgotten. It's not that I'd forgotten about him, but I just didn't even think about contacting him. And when I was doing the trip to uh, go shoot Star Trek: New Voyages, um, 
that trip just sort of worked out magically that every every day I had a stop somewhere because I on the way up there, I stopped in Baltimore to interview Dan Poole again because I'd already interviewed him at Comic-Con. But it's like, I'm coming through Baltimore. Why don't you just show me where you shot it? So that's that's why we got that, which is cool. It makes it look like you had a budget because yeah. you're cutting from like your sit down scenes to <laughs> yeah. like just walk, like a walk like yeah. a remote. Yeah, it's like a man. And then the ne- and then the next day, I, well, actually that that same day, I drove all the way up to Long Island and interviewed Clive Young that night. Next morning, did Adam Bertocci, and then drove up to uh, the New Voyages set, stayed there for a couple of days, and then. But when I was interviewing Clive, he mentioned that Clive's great in the movie. By oh the yeah, way. He, he's, I mean, he's he knows his stuff. He wrote Home yeah. at Hollywood, but <laughs> but he mentioned you know we got to talking at one point in our interview about the early films and he was you know giving me all you know the setup on the you know the um a little bit about robinson and a little bit you know a lot about you know the um the our gang shorts and the hugh hefner stuff and he mentioned that robins lived just over in connecticut uh, and i'm like whoa whoa um can you he's still around is he is he nice yeah (laughs) will he shoot and and he gave me he gave me his email and his phone number and while i and so right before i left new york i emailed him and by the time i got up to new voyages robbins had already emailed me back it's like sure uh, when you swing back down from maine let's see if we can work it out so did you just have an old reel of the film lying around that you had to process and no he'd already he'd already transferred everything to dvd and everything like that once again we should back up and talk about who we're talking about yes sorry robbins barstow is he's not the first fan filmmaker but he's the first one we really know of by name he made a tarzan fan film in 1936 party on wayne mm-hmm. yeah. and he's and really un- out there and, in and the woods swinging around and unfortunately and doing the call. He, he died about six months after i did the interview with him oh. uh, but uh, that's why i put the little dedication at the end to him because i just i kept cutting back to him because he's he's a fun little character i mean he had some great story and robbins is also famous for another film uh one of his one of his short films is called disneyland dream it was it was inducted it was one of the films inducted into the national film registry a couple of years ago really because he made this movie in the 50s and they won a trip to disneyland like right after it opened and he documented the whole thing and disneyland dream when it was inducted into the national film registry uh couple of days after that he gets an email from steve martin <laughs> yeah and steve martin says um i think i'm in your movie yeah. because wow. steve martin was 11 years old at was the time and, and was time? selling programs at disneyland yeah yeah he later oh, went on to be a, he went yeah. on to be a magician and a comedian at at the disney park for yeah a while he, he, and he's he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a tiny little character yeah. he's he's at the bottom of the frame he's, um, we're, he's wearing like a he's, he's got the straw hat and the yeah. and the striped shirt you know and he's hawking he's programs. doing the whole carnation and, alley thing and how old yeah. was he at the time like like 11 was his hair white at that point yeah probably yeah his hair was it was a partly white no but uh yeah he talks about and he doesn't talk about the movie because i came later but he talks about that whole era yeah and Unfortunately, Born standing I, you know, up is his whole how he, yeah, how yeah. I became yeah. Steve Martin, and he couldn't. You know, it's one of those things. Unfortunately, I couldn't put it in the film because it just didn't really work as far as fan films are concerned. But I do have that story up on YouTube. Uh, oh, cool! It's one of the extended things, and of course, it'll eventually be on the DVD. But you can go watch it. You can go look for it right now. Yeah, yeah there's some. It's there's online. Some, it's, there's some yeah, extra cut interview stuff on YouTube now at the time of recording. Right, I'm on my Z Team Productions channel, and I've got Robbins yeah, telling that story with the clip and, of Steve Martin. And Disneyland and, Dream is on because it's you know it's, yeah, it's it, in the National Archives now, so it's. And, uh, and he and even before that, he'd put it up on the way back, you know, yeah, the internet that's, where, that's where I saw like it. That's, that. where, that's where Steve Martin discovered it. Is mm-hmm. he? He was like, oh, old footage of Disneyland back when I was a kid and then saw himself on screen like, no, yeah, that's crazy. Now, <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> now, if I had gotten Steve Martin for this, I would have worked it in there because yeah, Robin's right. Robin's find was, a way. No, Robin's he stayed in contact with him and he was trying <laughs> he was trying to get Steve Martin for me. But that's cool. That didn't yeah. happen. Interesting. But so, yeah, it was just that 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 big trip I did in 2010. It just, you know, I just caught a lot of stuff, you know. And 
that was another one of the ones that uh, sort of fell on my lap. The reason why I did that trip is Michael Weiss, who is a producer of Hardware Wars, lives in England, and he only comes back to the States once a year to do these filmmaking workshops at this you know, college up in Maine. Um, and he emailed me and said, I'm coming back to the States. And it just so happened to coincide with the two weeks that they were shooting Star Trek New Voyages. You so had a lot like, done that trip. Yeah, I did. I, I did. I did 3,000 miles in about a week and a half, you know, driving the whole thing. Yikes. Good thing your car didn't fall apart. Now, I'm, eh, I'm just so worried car. that no one's ever going to see this movie. Do you have a contingency for if no one picks it up? Like, you're going to drive around the, the country with a no, projector no, on a I'll, truck? I'll do, and some, I'll do some kind of self-distribution, like, you know, like the Sea to Sings of Blues. I mean, you, you can do that. Um you know, I can put it up, you know, put it up in, you know, on YouTube or Vimeo or try to, you know, do the stuff to get on iTunes and Hulu myself. But what's your ultimate hope for it? Like best case scenario, I'm assuming it would be a theatrical run and well, you know, most someone most, who really puts their weight behind it. A theatrical run would be nice, but I, you know, I, that's, you know, that's a long shot because American Scary didn't get that. It just depends on what a, distrib- a, a distributor, if they like it, what they would want to do. Um, you know, my, you know, goals, you know, get it out, you know, get it out on DVD, Blu-ray, you know, get it on, you know, the various distribute, you know, iTunes and stuff like that. Maybe sell it to, you know, a network for, you know, or, you know, a cable channel for some kind of, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because see, that that was our hope. IFC might be kind of a place that might be interested. See, that was our hope that somebody like Sci-Fi would pick up America's Scary and run it every year at Halloween. No, but they haven't done that yet. (laughs) Now, well. Give them time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the standard process. Don't run out of asylum movies. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, if you say, "Hey, I'm making this independent thing, it's something above a fan film that's just going to put on right. YouTube, like, like, like I'm doing," but um, you know, actual thing, a lot of people, I see this a lot, don't really get the way it's done or the way you try and do it, which is mm-hmm. first, there's usually the festival process because right. what you want before you say, hey, would you like to buy this? Anyone, you want to go, would you like to buy this multiple award-winning thing? Yes, and you want to get it out there and get some awards. So so there's often a lengthy, like a year's worth of festival, you know, just trying to get into every festival there is. So you can have those five little awards on on the trailer when you go, now would you like to buy this? Of course, as we're recording this, I may find out tonight if I win an award, there's there's an award ceremony reception. You're welcome for the segue. See what I did there? Yes, thank you. (laughs) So, but we'll find out. I don't know yet, but yeah. So, I'm not holding out too so much. It's, up, well, then let's talk about that because again, you know, again, our, none of our listeners went to this. This is the ArcLight Documentary Fest, and there are how many entries? Or? Um, the, uh, well, the, the ArcLight, you know, there, there's other film festivals that do stuff at the ArcLight, but the ArcLight themselves did a documentary film festival this year, where where they did uh, the selection was actually done online on YouTube. Uh, where basically we, we sent in our trailers. Um, so yeah, they, they, they picked all these things just based on the trailers. They didn't see the films ahead of time, but they had, you know, they picked like, like 15 to 20 trailers in each of the categories. They did like, you know, one category, category was entertainment. One of them was like social issues. I forget, but they had like five different categories, four or five different categories. And one of them was just shorts. And like in each category, the five, the five trailers that got the most views and the most votes on YouTube and, and Facebook got selected for the film festival. And of course, you know, we got in on one of the entertainment ones. So there's basically five films in each category that are competing um, for like a $10,000 grand prize. And then I think there's smaller prizes in each category, but like the best film out of all of them gets 10 grand. Cool. Which I would like to have. That'd be nice. That'd be nice because, you know, this whole movie was financed out of my back pocket. You know, one of the reasons it took so long is because, you know, I was working full time through uh, (laughs) until 2011 and I was basically my vacation time. You know, I'd go to conventions, you know, and, you know, I'd make sure that every convention, every trip I took, I shoot an interview. Right. You know, I get work done and, you know. How many did you end up with interviews? 
in the hundreds? I, no, 80s, no, 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 90s? no, no, no. I think there's like it's, forty. F- it's a comprehensive damn movie. Yeah, I, I, I think there's like maybe forty separate people on camera, but some people are only in there for a couple, you know, yeah. for a couple of lines here and there. And I think there's like all told, there's like clips of like seventy-five to eighty separate fan films. I mean, some of them are only in there for one shot, right? Like you mine. <laughs> yeah, but yours is in there for a long shot because I used yeah, it, I used actually, it to I, used, I, I was actually I, I used I used it to trim fig down. You know, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> my film served a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, you know, uh, no, I actually, well, I, I remember mean, watching. I, 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 I get, I give Teague a lot of grief because you know he, he you know, he was. Let's he was not. the kid on the forums back in the day, but you know, you you really did come up with some really great stuff when we did that interview back in two thousand nine. And you know, well, I, I I don't use you as much as you think I use you, but there was some stuff. In I there was that- just surprised I was in it at all, man. And then <laughs> there was multiple me's, and it 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 was very impressive to I've, me. I there's lots. Of, we did. Hey, it's a historical record. It's redheaded Teague. You exactly. Know? That's and, another talking about another time capsule. And forehead sunglasses, Hannel. We uh, uh, poor well, guy. Because I'm in there. Uh, we did two separate we did interviews. Two separate interviews. Did, oh, years, years apart. Literally years yes. apart. So, 2004 and 2008. Both of which I was exhausted and full of meat. But yes. okay. But uh, so I had no memory of anything I might have said. So I was. I think. And I, I've heard that from a lot of you guys. Yeah. A lot of you guys were scared to death yeah. in this movie because you didn't. You didn't remember anything that you said to me. I just want. <laughs> I, I do want to say thank you because I, I. I feel like. I feel like my. My main function in 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 your documentary was to be the to, I got the Han Solo job, which was like awesome. Which is like I th- I think I'm the one person in there, and I'm glad you put it in there that you know we're not treated that we don't all like treat this wacky world of some fan, of them are crap, fan film. Is, we don't treat this whole you know it's so reverent. Like oh my god, it's the most awesome thing. I'm the guy who gets to go. Precious. Most fan films are crap. I got to say that, and I was like yes, <laughs> I get to be that guy in the movie. Well, awesome. see, but that that was that was my point. I'm so you know, happy. Making this, you know, I mean, granted, we've had a lot of fun with it. It's done somewhat good for all of us in in various ways maybe not always professionally but you know at least socially i mean you know we're still friends 10 years later we still tolerate each other for the most part you bastard <laughs> go on no but almost all my friends come from fan films. yeah, yeah. so sadly not, yeah yeah i'm not saying i'm proud of it that's but there you go for better or worse that's what it is but you know but you know, and there there are good and bad. I mean, you know, it's like you know, I was I was you know, I, I made sure you know to keep some of the bad in there. You know, it's like you know the idiots who did they call it a Stargate film. I mean, you know, they they did something really stupid. Oh, I got to say, like, I got to say nasty things about them too. So yes, that's, that's I know. <laughs> and I love Great. how you you zoom that guy when Trey is saying something like, and those damn idiots just kept baiting the entire studio system to sue them. And then and at, while he's saying that, you're just showing an insert of the screen of the press release and it's just zooming in saying, totally shut down. Yeah. Well, what, <laughs> yeah. what was great was I, I was trying to figure out how to make that work. because, And then all of a sudden, at one point, I, I just pulled that thing out and put it right next to Trey. And he, he just sort of did this, oh, you know, this, <laughs> this reaction to something that wasn't there. And the, the way I did it, all it looks like he sees it come up right next to you. He goes, oh, yeah. It's creepy. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> also, I want to thank you. There was something you were talking about, just general views on YouTube, where you, you, sl- you slipped a little arc plug in there and I thought that was great too. That was a, mm-hmm. thank There's some you very much. Well, also there's clips from Mark too, which is nice. I mean, that was that was a you know that that's a nice. Well, one also, of the things you struggle with in, in a documentary like this is like, okay, you know, is a documentary just a literally documentary? Like, here's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Here's the information about that thing. You know, the the tr- the tricky part is ideally in any documentary you want to make a broader point or right. you want to bring it together and and you know and my, and my biggest point on this is you know. And 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 it was one of those things where you know it's funny that it, it some of it goes back to handle. I mean, the formula 
you know, I, you know, I kind of use it to book in this movie because it made the best point that I've ever heard anybody make. If you're not having fun making a fan film or any movie, why the hell are you doing it? In that same monologue, he makes a joke about how you shouldn't respect the opinions on people with some internet radio show or some flashy website. <laughs> oh, I had to trim some. Which but... at the time was a joke about DLR. Yes. <laughs> but now it's just a joke about us, I guess. Exactly. Because Chris has been on this show. Now, you've done two documentaries, John. Mm-hmm. You going to do a third documentary, John? Well, I have an Bowling? idea. Bowling? What's on your mind? <laughs> I have an idea for another one, but the thing is, it's one of these things where... I have a, I've got people lined up at the wazoo to do interviews about this person, but if this person is not interested in having a documentary done about him, I won't do it. I see. Um, and so I I've, bet I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the that? guy who made the Iron Fist of the Obsidian City. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, going to blow the lid off that. Crazy. Yeah. No, well, in part, partly because you know he was such a, an incredible influence on me, and he's and and I don't and he's he's. He's a cautionary figure because, you know, he had so much potential and, you know, he's he's an inspirational figure figure in that you want to be you want to do stuff like he did, but you don't want to be crushed by the system the way he was. Yeah. We're not going to say who we're talking about, are we? Yeah. Mike Jitlove. Oh, yeah. my God. The Wizard of God. Speed and Time. Yeah. Wow. And I, would, I would watch the shit out of that yeah, documentary. Those, yeah. Yeah. So, so and I, yeah. I and I've got people. I mean, literally. I mean, you know, they will they will do interviews about Mike. It's like you could. I mean, the, one of the most amazing documentaries I've seen lately. I think we maybe talked about is Winnebago Man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which mm-hmm. is which is you know, there's a guy who didn't want a documentary who made about him either, but the documentarian mm-hmm. kept at it and really came out with an amazing Winnebago story. Man is amazing. Another yes. one I saw recently that uh, that was great too. I can't think of the name of it, but there's a there was a comedian named Rich Scheidner who was big in the '80s who then just disappeared. He yeah. just like left the business. Yeah, yeah. And there's a recent documentary about him trying to make a comeback, and now he's older yeah. and everything. Else. What, is it? I, what was the title of it because I think it actually played at the I, can't, at this, I, 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 also, I think it actually it's a recent documentary played at this festival yeah I've seen it it's on Netflix I mean I watched it on yeah Netflix. I watched that's okay. where I saw I just said if you like if you like Winnebago Man you might yeah, like yeah. this I was like alright check it out but I loved Rich Scheidner back in the day he was one of my favorite stand-ups and I always had wondered what happened to that guy he literally just disappeared overnight and uh, he kind of just said I just don't want to do this job anymore but then he wanted to get back into it so so it's, that's an amazing documentary yeah, yeah. it's you know it's oh gonna, I hope you can and, get this and so yeah. Jitlov could be a really amazing like you said if he's you do it. If Mike is not willing to do it, I won't do it. But I mean, I already have the title for it. It's going to be called The Wizard of Hollywood. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. But, Mike Jitlove is an interesting story, and it's hard to summarize here. But mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you this: here's how esoteric it could be. This was how I Mike Jitlove was how I originally connected with my high school math teacher, because Ooh. I was a fan of The Wizard of Speed and Time. The short or the feature? Uh, yes, but okay. I had seen the feature at that point. I hadn't seen the short. Okay. Uh, well, the short is in the feature. Yeah, but, you know. I had I had seen the movie. I had seen the movie. I didn't film. know. That that <laughs> was a freestanding right thing yeah. at the time. I had just found that movie because I liked okay. the, I liked the box because you know whatever mm-hmm. blockbuster and uh, or it was at actually a privately owned video company. But I I had it with me someday at school, uh, and I wasn't like showing it around like hey guys check out you know it wasn't like I got the new Star Wars movie or something like that. It was just on my desk because I, I had gone thing. I had gone to the video store that morning, and my math teacher walked by and he did like a quadruple take and he's like are you punking me with this right now like do you know that that's a thing with me and i'm like no why <laughs> he's like this i show this movie at parties i love this thing where'd you find this how do you know about this movie and mm-hmm. that was the, the conversations about that was how i initially he became one of my favorite teachers but yeah. that was how we connected on that's like cool. a personal level in the first place yeah I first it'd be so great if you could get a documentary about jello off yeah. the ground i mean i first discovered mike back in the mid 80s actually in high school because they some kind of motivational seminar they ran a 16 millimeter print of the wizard the original wizard 
you know, at that. And I remember we were at a Magnum Opus Con in Greenville, South Carolina, probably 1989. No, no, early 90s. And Angelique Pettijohn was, yeah, it had to be early oh, wow. 90s because the film was made in 88. Well, no, actually, I remember I was at the 86 Worldcon and Mike was supposed to be there. And he wasn't able to be there, and so they took us down to a they took us down to a phone booth down the hall, and basically had people get to talk to Mike for like five minutes each because he he you know they you know, that was the only way you could do it back then um, because he was filming the Wizard at the time, um, but Angelique Pettijohn was at this Magnum Opus Con in like 1991 and she had a copy of the film with her and they ran it on the in-house cable system and we hotwired the thing to record it <laughs> nice know? and so i had a copy for a couple of years until they, it finally came out on laserdisc and, and vhs and the laserdisc of the wizard film is still an incredible high dollar item because you know it's not been released on dvd because right. of the rights issues and stuff like that but uh, that'd be an interesting story to tell. I have no idea what even happened to him, but I, you know, um, I meant to call him this weekend, but I ha- I didn't get around to it just cause stuff is going on and stuff like that. But, um, well, part of it, you know, his, his mother is elderly and, and he's been pretty much been her caregiver the last couple of years, last I heard. And there was a whole, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened in the film fictionally really happened to him in real life. I mean, he really did have the guy that produced the feature really did try to steal it out. They stole it out from under him. They really did try to destroy his life so they could take his, take his work away from him. Um, and right about the time he he was about to get all the rights to it back. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild went after anybody connected with it for all these back residuals that the producer had never paid a dime on, and Mike had to back, you know, wash his hands of it and stand, you know, stand away because he had no money. Or at least that's the way I've heard the story. That'd be a hell of a thing, man. I hope you can get. I hope that he'd be. Well, interested it's like in I said, it's one of these things. If Mike is not interested, I'm not going to do it because yeah. you know. I, I've known Mike for years. Uh, you know, he was in Darth Vader's Psychic Hotline. Yeah, he he did the he did the voice of Han Solo in that for me. Um, so you know, we'll see. Be really cool. Ultimately, it's one of those things where it it, it can't it seems like it can't not be a positive thing to make a documentary about that because at least it's, but, it gets the Mike, story. Out. I know, but Mike, so many people but don't Mike know. Mike is a character. Exactly. Well, they always are. You know, it always seems the Winnebago Man didn't want his story and I told I, either. I had, had to had do, a, I had to do a special uh, talent release for him for Darth Vader's Second Hotline because he wouldn't accept the one from Adam Films. Yeah. It was the droid moral clause or something right. like that. He would not sign that. I would imagine now he's a little paranoid about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes yeah. Perfect and sense. So. So, I know but, someone who worked with him on Ghost because he was the the, yeah, the, he was the demons on Ghost. That's that's all Mike did. The short version is. Mike Jetlove was this weird special effects maven. He's a stop motion genius. He's, yeah. he's one of those guys that everyone in the business goes, oh yeah, what happened to that guy? Go to YouTube you know, and just type in He should be Dennis time. Buren and never was. Let's and just why put it this that? way. You know, 1977, like, he stop motion animated himself singing and dancing a song in the middle of a film studio and it's lip synced. Yeah. Just wrap your brain around that and go, go home and try it. to figure out how to do that now yeah because yeah. i remember come back I've, I've only ever seen the short but i saw it i saw it at film school at usc mm-hmm. and it must have been brand new at the time you know fairly recent yeah it was seven and, years and it so. was like you know and i and i was hip to stop motion but i was like yeah damn and he and, and he he'd been doing stop motion before that because you know he had yeah. swing shift and time tripper and all those yeah. other shorts and anyway but like i said talking about that, that, well, that, 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 that is you get that, our vote that that would be a hell of a next uh, project that, that would be one of That'd my be two projects. projects you made specifically for us yeah yeah <laughs> hooray um, you know and you know i don't you know granted, i mean I, I think i've told a lot of the story in the film but you know i would love you know since the the scott rudin rights aren't tied up anymore 
you know, I would like to actually do the Raiders oh, adaptation. I, gonna, I meant to ask film. about that because it was talk about doing it, doing a, a movie about, you know, the yeah. crazy kids and fictionalizing, it, but I guess son of Rambo kind of came and went and got, well, son know, of Rambo came over when, and, all, and also yeah. the, that, that was on hold for a long time because Paramount so, didn't want to have two competing Indiana Jones projects out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but last, last I heard from Chris and Eric is that, uh, the op, the option, the option that Scott Rudin had on their life story expired. So, so, and that, but that also means the Dan Cloud script is gone. They can't touch that anymore. Right. Um, but I would like, I mean, granted, I've not actually, you know, I'd have to find somebody with money to, you know, produce it and stuff like that. Cause I ain't, I ain't got the money, right. but you know, I, when I was reading Eisenstock's book, I mean, I'm sitting there reading it and I'm, and I'm seeing the structure of a film about these guys not only in my head, but also in what Einstein wrote in the book, and he's he's got a great hook to bookend it. And I'm I'm I was seeing the movie, and you know, Chris and Eric, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, shit, man. I mean, it's it's a hell of a lot of work to put together a documentary like that, let alone one that you're making out of your own pocket over Tell the course of it. years and years. But well, like I said, I mean, they're really the only thing out of my pocket was travel. You it's know. a lot of travel <laughs> and DV tapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It came together superbly, and really proud of you. Really oddly you. proud of us uh, as a community for for availing ourselves. <laughs> I made you look good. Great availing ourselves to ourselves, sort of well. We are awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Th- mm-hmm. this could have been. That is a lovely. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, this not, not to toot our own horns, but you know, we were involved with a really insane, fun community that turned out some good stuff. There was some crap out there. You know, well, I won't force the issue, but you know where some of the crap was. <laughs> sure, in joke, in joke, train. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It just but, came uh, together really well, and I'm I was, I was proud to be a part of it. I'm happy to work on it. I'm I, I like my song. Uh, I like the movie. <laughs> and as soon as it comes out, as soon as it becomes available, obviously we'll let you know here at Diff. But go check it out because even if you don't give a shit about fan films, we're in it. See, this mm-hmm. is perfect. There's and, no reason for you not and to. You want do to have see on YouTube. Movie. You have your your extended interviews, right? Right. I've, I've, got, I've got on your YouTube yes, page. I'm on my, on my YouTube plug, plug, page. Plug. I've got a lot of stuff on there. That's you know that's that's good stuff. It was just stuff I couldn't use in the film. Now in some of these cases, it's not just stuff that was completely excised for the film. A lot of some of it just extended stuff because right. you know y'all probably see most of it and there's mm. other par- well it's like Dan Poole um, I ended up pulling it out of the film because it was just too long there's nothing I could cut away from but the whole story about him getting his film in front of James Cameron is kind of fun but it was just too long for the film we'll embed these videos in the release thread when this episode comes out so come back to the diff forum and uh, you'll be able to find the videos we're talking about mm-hmm. but Really great job, and it was fun to see it on a big screen. It was a little bit mortifying for me. I had to have a couple shots of scotch <laughs> because you know I'm not a I'm not an audio engineer. Although two guys from the forum helped me produce the song, um, mm-hmm. Lamer engineered it, and, and he's uh, Ricky Elliott on the movie. Um, uh, Ricky Elliott did the uh, arrangement. I, I wrote the song, but I didn't do the uh, the arrangement of it. He did that, but uh, it was just super cool to hear it and. I had to have a shot of scotch to, you know, deal with the fact that it was going to be on the ArcLight screen and mm-hmm. stereo system. But it was cool. And it was just, you know, it was a fun experience for all of us to go down there and see a bunch of people. It was odd to meet people that I've been hearing about for 15, well, not 15, but 10 years. Mm-hmm. I got to meet Kevin Rubio. Yeah, me too. Cool. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. And uh, that's why I fanboyed over it was Rubio. <laughs> I actually, I actually really liked the way you put it, Teague. It was like, uh, m- Seeing old friends, meeting new ones, and weirdly meeting old ones. Well, yeah. I, I, mean, I, mean, well see, I mentioned this to Heather the other night. Is like actually one of the, one of the uh, best line, best ways to describe it is a line from the Muppet movie. Uh, you know, was there's not a word yet for old friends you've just met. Yeah, you right. 
anyway, it's really cool and it's it touches me and great job on it. Really proud of you. Thank and you. I, I can't wait to see what you do next, especially now that I know sort of what you're hoping for because it all just sounds great to me. Yeah, so. it's like all it's like all of a sudden I've got like real movies out there. When did that happen? So you what's know? the website? Where can people go to find out more news and all that? Where do they um backyardblockbusters.net and then Facebook.com slash backyardblockbusters and um and what's your Twitter in case people want to get in touch? Oh god, I don't know what my Twitter is. <laughs> John Hudgens. John Hudgens, I think John Hudgens, yeah, I think it's under just my name. Just Google John Hudgens, you'll find him. I'm all over the place. Somebody wrote a Wikipedia article about me. It wasn't me. Yeah, that Trey has the same problem. I, I, I know. It was like there was suddenly there was a Wikipedia article about me, which auto makes a Facebook page in about yeah, you, which, which makes is, a celebrity oh, yeah. Facebook page for yeah. you. So, and of course, we all got IMDb pages, and there's stuff yeah. listed there, and you know, we've got trolls that attack us there. And, you <laughs> know, the story about sure. fan films, man. Everyone starts out in their backyards and then makes it out to. Well, IMDb, IMDb yeah. at yeah. least, which everyone starts starts on the internet and makes it to a different corner of it. Anyway, this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. twittercom downinfront. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email me, email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. Lots of good people. Blah blah blah. Give us money. Buy our shirts. Holden Hill. Uh, my name is always T. Christie. Brian Finnefer. Mike Scott. John Hudgens for the first time and last time maybe. Jay's dogs. And this has been Down in Front. Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Come make Never a say never. Go make a fan yeah. film. <laughs> fan filmmakers never say die. That's right. But most of them suck. No, we just say please give us money. Yeah. Please, please, that's please that's the thing one. we're not allowed to say. No, no, no. Stop it. Copyright. Copyright. Copyright.